This is VLX 101, the leaven of the Pharisees. We are in Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12. VLX stands for Video Lexio Divina, the online patristic Bible study and free guide to Ignatian mental prayer. God give you his peace and omni patris affidi, spiritu santi, amen. God our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive... Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. The first verse when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. I want to jump right into the imaginative way of prayer here. Father Lapide tells us it is plain from the circumstances that this event happened in the ship and also that this was on the way to Bethsaida across Galilee. So here you have Jesus and the apostles crossing Galilee in a boat together. They basically forgot to bring lunch. I want to talk a little bit on the difference how men and women do mental prayer. Women are often attracted to this Carmelite way of prayer where Jesus is seen as the spouse of the inmost part of the soul. Of course, this is seen in the most chaste way, and it is a beautiful way to pray. The male Carmelite way is a little bit more like St. John of the Cross, alone with the alone on Mount Carmel, where only the glory and honor of God remain. This is the path of climbing the mountain of nada, 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 where God alone at the top is todo, todo, todo. God alone is all in all. But I want to talk today about why somewhere between 50,000 to 100,000 men followed St. Ignatius of Loyola into the Jesuits by the end of the 16th century. We're talking about even after he was dead. I think the total was close to 100,000 by the end of the 16th century. You know, there was a psychological study, maybe it was about 20 years ago. Someone told me about this. I never read it, so I couldn't source it out in footnotes for you today. Someone told me about a psychological study that showed men like movies more than women do where the superhero dies at the end. Why is this? Well, the basic answer is, whereas women are great heroes, heroines technically, at dying in childbirth for their families, men often know that they are called to die for something beyond their families. Notice I didn't say bigger or better than their families. Obviously, a father's first job is his family. I said beyond their families. And this is why the apostles and so many of these Jesuits gave up families so they could go die for something beyond them. And this is wired in us men to want to die with a band of brothers. We even saw this before Jesus was born in, in uh, accounts like the 300. So when a guy in a band of brothers dies for his brothers, that is not a failure of him to go back to his wife and kids. Or rather, it's not a failure that he was unable to go back to his wife and his kids. His fellow warriors get to go back to their wife and kids 
And that's why he signed up, and that's why he died for something beyond him. Usually freedom for his country, or liberty for those who were captives. You see, we men were wired for this. Even those losers playing video games in their parents' basement today, they're probably playing some video game where he gets to be the hero. Okay, let's name a few of those movies where the good character dies at the end. Not including, like, horror movies. Usually where the hero dies at the end. Let's just look at a few of those. Braveheart. Saving Private Ryan. Big Hero 6. Gladiator. Children of Men. Rogue One. Now, I couldn't find that psychological study where it shows men like those movies more than women, uh, but I did find an online explanation of how everyone, men and women, identify as a hero. Scott Allison and George Gothels wrote in Our Definition of Hero the following, quote, We found that people's beliefs about heroes tend to follow a systematic pattern. After polling a number of people, we discovered that heroes are perceived to be highly moral, highly competent, or both. More specifically, heroes are believed to possess eight traits, which we call the Great Eight. These traits are smart, strong, resilient, selfless, caring, charismatic, reliable, and inspiring. It's unusual for a hero to possess all eight of these characteristics, but most heroes have a majority of them." End quote. So, for example, those men who joined the Jesuits in the 16th century, or those who joined Jesus in his mission in the first century, they were joining a band of brothers willing to die for a mission bigger than themselves, bigger than their families. And that time I did say bigger because World War II was bigger than just one family. And what's bigger than World War II? Well, the rescuing of souls from Satan's kingdom. That is what I want you to picture on today's boat, is men willing to give everything so that others might live. Yes, it's true. This is a spiritual war, not a physical war. That's probably the comeback that some of you are thinking of. But that doesn't mean it's not a physical boat or a physical captain. Or put in the positive, Jesus is the captain of this boat. And his apostles are real people who really got into a real boat on this real place called Galilee, following their hero. And one of the proofs that they're real is they got a bit confused when someone forgot the lunch today. But you know, Jesus today, we're going to see this a little bit later, he brings them back to that mission, which is salvation. And that's why we're going to see Jesus' doctrine clashes with the doctrine of the Pharisees in just a minute. But the main thing I want you to do in the imaginative way of prayer is to understand why the old school Jesuit way of prayer is to see Jesus as a friend. Now, I'm not using that word friend in kind of the flat and milquetoast way that modernists would say it, like, oh, Jesus is my friend. No, I mean friend as far as a fellow warrior that you would follow anywhere, on any boat, any pathway, and die for. Or what's even harder than dying for him, living for him at times. St. Ignatius was a warrior's warrior himself before his conversion. This is why after his conversion, he writes things like this in his spiritual exercises. Quote, Consider how the Lord of all the world chooses so many persons, apostles, and disciples, and sends them throughout the whole world to spread his sacred doctrine among all men, no matter what their state or condition. First, by attracting them to the highest spiritual poverty, they should lead him to a desire for insults and contempt, for from these springs humility. In order to imitate and be in reality more like Christ our Lord, I desire and choose poverty with Christ, poor rather than riches, insults with Christ, loaded with them rather than honors. I desire to be accounted worthless and as a fool for Christ, 
rather than to be esteemed as wise and prudent in this world, so Christ was treated before me, end quote. Those are the words of St. Ignatius of Loyola. So in this boat today, especially if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer, picture yourself as Jesus' friend. But that doesn't mean playing patty cake. It means ready to suffer for the life of the world so the whole world can know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It means Jesus is your best friend, but a warrior of a best friend. And you are this band of brothers who's headed out to die so that others might live. Now, you might hear me saying this and say, oh, that sounds kind of like a macho or a romantic view of the apostles. No, think about it. 11 of the 12 of them literally died so that others might live. And of course, Jesus was the main one who died so that others may live. Now, granted, at this point in Matthew 16, these disciples may not be fully ready for those deaths, but they are much further along than most movies make them to be at this point. A lot of times at this point in American movies, these apostles are sort of seen to be a smiley group of used car salesmen. No, these were good men, and they were strong men following Jesus, even if they occasionally argued about who forgot the lunch as they did today. So again, let's jump into the verses here. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, of course, as I just said, we're in Matthew 16 now, but remember just a few chapters ago in Matthew 13, 33, Jesus said a parable in just one sentence. It goes like this. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Now, you might remember how St. John Chrysostom interpreted this parable in saying that just a few fervent Christians can change the entire pagan world. And that is true. But today, Jesus also shows the inverse that just a little bad leaven can ruin the whole loaf of bread. What does he mean by that? Well, he means that the bad doctrine of just a few teachers can ruin the entire faith of the people following the one true religion of the time. Okay, what is the one true religion? Well, at his time when Christ spoke this, it was Judaism, which is why Christ is asserting that the leaven of the Pharisees can greatly harm the entire batch of good-hearted Jews many of them trying to follow Christ. But he also spoke knowing that it would be read by billions of Christians in the future when Catholicism would be the world's one true religion. In that sense, Christ is showing that, again, the rotten leaven of some of the hierarchy can harm the entire loaf of the Christian faithful. Again, this isn't me being bitter. This is straight from the gospel. A few fervent Christians can change the whole pagan world, but a few rotten teachers can ruin the faith of many living for God or trying to live for God in the one true religion of the world at the time. In the Old Testament it was Judaism, now it's Catholicism. So notice that we have this leaven parable that it comes to us in Matthew 13 in the positive. Just a little bit can change the whole thing for the better. And today, just a little bit of the bad can change the whole thing for the worse. Now, when the hierarchy of either Judaism or Catholicism speaks the truth, they should be listened to, okay? When they speak the truth, they should be listened to. Jesus says in Matthew 23, 2, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. In fact, Father Lapide himself references that, Matthew 23, in his commentary on today, which again is Matthew 16, he fast-forwards a little bit because he finds it so applicable to today. He uh, references that in today's section when he gives us three reasons why the apostles shouldn't listen to the Pharisees. And if you want to remember the three, it's 
One, new traditions. Two, hypocrisy. And three, outward, not inward. If you want to take notes on that, one, it's new traditions. Two, hypocrisy. And three, outward, not inward. Here's the words of Father Lapide. Of this leaven, he bids them beware, not inasmuch as the Pharisees taught and expounded the law of Moses. For in that respect, he says in Matthew 23, 2, they ought to be heard and obeyed, rather insofar as they corrupted with their own vain traditions, contrary to the law of God, and which were like sour leaven. So that's the first thing. They added their own traditions, and they weren't following the traditional Jewish faith. Second reason, Father Lapidate points to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. He calls it hypocrisy. Quote, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That was Christ's own words on the Pharisees, that they were hypocrites. So again, first, first reason is new traditions. Secondly is hypocrisy. And then the third reason not to listen to the Pharisees, Father Lapidate says, For the Pharisees had regard only to outward ceremonies and apparent sanctity and neglected purity of the heart, says Bede. So outward sanctity, no inward sanctity. That was the third reason why Jesus was telling the disciples today to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then verse 7, And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. Father Lapide says, When the disciples heard Christ speak of leaven, they remembered that they had not taken any bread into the ship, and being afraid lest Christ might sail as he was accustomed to some desert place, they were anxious to produce some loaves, and were disputing about it among themselves, perchance one throwing the blame of forgetfulness upon the other. Now this is funny for three reasons. One, it's funny because this analogy Jesus gives on spiritual food got the apostles literally hungry for real food. It's also funny because they knew Christ could go without food and they couldn't. And then it's also kind of funny for the third reason that they basically blamed each other for forgetting lunch. Verse 8 to 10. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive... Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand? And how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand? And how many baskets you gathered? Okay, now first this shows that there really were two different miracles of multiplication of food. So no one's trying to merge them into one. Jesus is even recalling the different numbers here. We covered both those astonishing miracles in past VLX sections. A lot of theology in those, but always remember the first interpretation is the literal. These literally happened. Okay, and then today Father Lapide says, it's as if Jesus were saying, O you of little faith, as if I were speaking of earthly bread and as if I were unable or unwilling to provide bread for you. It's great encouragement right there. And then the last verse is today. How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Father Lapide points out, Then they understood, because Christ's reproof sharpened the disciples' minds. So notice, you know, these apostles, these, these disciples, these are tough guys with good brains. The disciples are not a bunch of doofuses like the movies make them to be before Pentecost. They just needed some coaching, and they learned pretty quickly. Yeah, they love God. Granted, not enough, and that is why their God and Savior and best friend Jesus is there, 
walking with them and teaching them so that they can be just like him one day, both in the miracles and in his death. But of course, Pentecost really seals the deal on their sanctity. Uh, so maybe look at my blog from last week. It's one of the reasons or my explanations why Pentecost made them so holy, what changed the apostles so much. And the name of that blog is Mary, the Missing Key to Courage. Thanks for listening, and thanks for donating, and thanks for praying for me. Please say an Our Father for me at Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis. Patris et et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos et maniat semper. Amen.